May the Lord bless you all, my dear brothers and sisters, in all places where the church of God is established in different countries, countries and continents, for we can now say continents, where God has allowed a heart or two or three or four hearts that are willing to honor God, seek him, praise him, glorify him, and make him known, make his name known to other people in those places, like in Japan, China, Africa, many places, the brothers and sisters in the Philippines, different islands, Mauritius Island, which I always mention, the group of brothers and sisters, they're very joyfully singing to the Lord, praying with great enthusiasm, seeking God in their hearts. And how beautiful that is. How beautiful it is to seek God. How beautiful it is to have found the Lord's path and to follow it. And to be here with this privilege that God has looked at us in the midst of the millions of people in the world. God has had mercy of us and has looked at us with eyes of love. And here we are in his presence. We are all here. All of you who are here in this moment, first time guests, newcomers, you're all welcome. So feel, brothers and sisters, those who are here with me in Weston, feel welcome. God bless you. And you may now be seated and get comfortable. And all together, the brothers and sisters, I greeted the brothers and sisters in Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay, Uruguay, Chile, and Patagonia. And what a joy it is that we have the church in Patagonia and they actually celebrated the first water baptisms. Thanks be to the Lord for God's word comes to pass when he said that he would be raising up his church, his congregation throughout all the world, that he would be ruling, that he would be converting hearts, that he would be the one in bringing people to the place where God would manifest himself. And this is so. How God has fulfilled. God has fulfilled all of these promises spoken over 50 years ago. This is why we believe in God. We believe in a living God. A God that lives. A God that speaks. He speaks to human beings. People say, well, that's impossible. That's a lie. That's crazy to say God speaks. But it's not a lie. Here, we live the experiences of God speaking to us. God guides us. He leads us. He teaches us. He manifests himself through dreams, through visions, through prophecy, through the spiritual gifts. And also in the Bible, we read concerning God and he brings all of the scriptures to life. So this is why we do not doubt. We do not doubt God's existence. He lives and he deserves the honor, the glory, and all praise. So we give the Lord thanks for his manifestation, for his mercy. We give God thanks also for his wonderful promises and for the support that he has given us for over 50 years. He has supported this place. And as he spoke, he has been fulfilling it all word for word. And thanks be to our God. And we, at times, are lacking words in order to express ourselves before the Lord. We lack words to express to God what he deserves. Words of worship and praise. But either way, he knows. He knows our heart. He knows that spiritual language. And with our soul, we tell the Lord we love him. And that he is great and that the blessings he has given us are uncountable and we have nothing with which we can pay the Lord back for. How we can pay him back for the love and mercy he has for us all. And to see the miracles, the healings, and the wonders that God has manifested himself with. And the love, the affection, the mercy that God has behaved himself with those who suffer, those who are facing tribulation, accidents, sickness, all of them. The Lord has been there delivering, healing, blessing, manifesting himself. All of this. How could we ever pay the Lord back? How can we ever pay the Lord back? We simply say, 
Here is our life. Here's our heart, our being for him. We shall live for God. And we are living in this world and we live for God. And we observe the world and we can contemplate many things, but we will never let go of the Lord's hand. We will always reflect on his ways, his word, learning the doctrine and praising his name and following the good example that he has left us with through himself, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the apostles, and that today the Lord is also raising up many men and women that love him, filled with the Holy Spirit, who have the spiritual gifts for his service. The honor be for our God. Thanks be to our God for these blessings and for this privilege. And today... We're going to continue with the reflection of God's word, and we will continue in 1 John, in the first epistle of the Apostle John, in chapter 3. We have prepared chapter 3 to read, and we are going to read and reflect and analyze the word that God many centuries ago gave to his apostles through the Holy Spirit. And today, this same word is profitable to us for the Holy Spirit, who is the same. He has not changed. He has been teaching our hearts, our life, this path. He is here confirming that what he said yesterday, centuries ago, he says this today as well, and we'll say it again tomorrow, centuries later. So in chapter 3, in the Bible that I have here, there is a subtitle, which is the children of God. Perhaps in other Bibles, in other languages, maybe in the German Bible, French Bible, Dutch Bible, J Japanese Bible, maybe there isn't that subtitle, but regardless, the content is the same. The content of these paragraphs is the same, and we're going to reflect on that. And when the Apostle John, filled with God's power, filled with the Holy Spirit, when he taught the doctrine, he taught the good way of living life, of how believers in that time who had converted and were now called Brethren, brothers and sisters, they were Christians. They were the followers of the Lord. So he gave them teachings, doctrine. And it was the Holy Spirit that spoke through the mouth of these people, of these apostles. And especially here in what we're going to read in John. And it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And we're going to go in depth on this phrase of children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. It did not know Jesus Christ. And we're going to go a bit more in depth on the children of God for we hear, we hear people that believe in religion, who follow a religion. And there are many people who say they are Christians and read the Bible. So all say to be children of God, even those who don't read the Bible and who don't have a religion or belief. They say we are children of God. But we learn here that to be children of God, we must gather certain requirements. And that is what we are going to reflect on. In verse number two, beloved, now we are children of God. And he was speaking to the believers of the church in that time and who were at this point enjoying the spiritual gifts they were enjoying God's power. They were enjoying 
walking by the Lord's hand, they were enjoying everything God gives with his true gospel. And the apostle had already seen a change in the lives of those people. He had seen a change of life. He had seen that all had been born again. They had abandoned sin. They had abandoned their old ways, their bad morals, bad examples, and were now living a holy life, upright life before God. And he saw they were keeping the commandments. This is why he said to the group of people, to the church who he was proceeding over and said, we are children of God. He said, we are children of God for he included himself for he too experienced a change of life. He had left sin behind. He had left all evil behind and now was living a new life with Jesus Christ. This is why he considered himself to be a part of the children of God. Now in verse 2, which I'll read again, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he, Jesus Christ, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him. For in that moment, and in this moment we're living, we are seeing the Lord through feeling the Spirit of God in our heart, in our life, through the miracles and what he does with us. But we can't see him physically. But the wonderful promise is, one day we shall see him face to face. So this is our hope. And that was also the hope of John and of the believers. And in verse number three, and everyone who has this hope in him, in Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. Verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So the apostle now takes a position and begins to differentiate who are the children of God and who are not the children of God, for not all were children of God. And although people say, well, I read the Bible and I practice a religion, well, then I'm a believer. I am a child of God. Now, there are others who say, well, we are children of God, for he created us. He made us. But this is saying that the children of God are those who have turned away from sin. Those who now live a holy life. They are in the process of perfection. That is what verse 4 is saying. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And that's in reference to the law of God. And it says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So in the Lord Jesus, there is no sin. There was no sin. And he appeared. He manifested himself to take away our sins. So the apostle, he is beginning to explain that before knowing the Lord, before converting to the Lord and accepting him, and accepting and committing ourselves to follow the path that leads us to God, we used to sin. We were committing all sorts of evil. And once we've accepted and believed, once the Holy Spirit has come to us, anointed us, baptized us, came to live in our heart, he began to transform our lives, to transform our heart, our mindset, and to keep us away from all that is evil and wrong that we used to do. So there is where this verse is fulfilled, that he was manifested to take away our sins. Verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. It is so simple 
We read this verse and we think it's simple. Whoever abides in Christ does not sin. Now, all the people that I hear, many people, many denominations who say they are Christians. There are many who say they read the Bible. And there are many who say, I believe in Christ. Others say, I believe in God. And that simple fact makes them believe they are with God, that they abide with God, or they themselves think they are children of God. And in verse 6, when it says, whoever, man or woman, who abides in Christ does not sin. To abide in Christ, what is that? What is it to abide in Christ? Whoever abides in Christ is a person who makes a decision of following the path the Lord is revealing or the Holy Spirit is pointing and guiding and saying, believe in me, read the Bible, come to this place and congregate, seek me. You need to learn how to pray. You need to pray. That is what the Holy Spirit tells a person when for the first time this person receives prophecy and God speaks to them. The Holy Spirit begins to guide them, give them advice and says, seek me, learn to pray, follow me. I will teach you. I will remove all the evil that is in you. I will change your heart. I will transform your mind. I will take away those evil thoughts. I will take away your evil deeds. I will make of you a new man, a new woman. And you, you will serve me. You will walk with me. I will be with you. All of these promises the Holy Spirit tells a man or a woman who for the first time have an experience with God of receiving the word of the Lord. At times, it is received with the gift of prophecy. And in other cases, it could be by dreams. The Lord speaks to a person, teaches them, and invites them to come and congregate. Others have lived experiences in which envisions God speaks to them and brings them to the congregation. And when they arrive to the congregation, the Holy Spirit speaks to them, guides them, and shows them the path they must follow. So a person makes a decision. And those who decide to follow, who want to follow the path of the Lord, they begin to experience a change in their life. They begin to see that the appetite for certain evil things that they were doing in their life, they no longer want to do that. If they were a con man, they no longer want to con people. If they were a liar, they don't want to keep telling lies. That if they like to deceive people, in order for himself to gain attributes or blessings or prosperity, money, well then this person no longer feels the greed or that desire in his heart to deceive people to try and take their money and deceive, deceive them with fake businesses and sales. So a person begins to experience this. And if it's a person maybe who likes to get drunk, they no longer have the desire to drink anymore. The alcohol that would get them drunk for they no longer have this appetite. And that is how people begin to change. They have a change of life and they are helped by God. They are helped by the Holy Spirit. For a person alone is not able to change, but there is someone who can change you. And the Lord, when he speaks to a person, it could be through prophecy, visions, or dreams, the Lord commits himself to change you and he invites you to the congregation and says, come, I will make you a new man, a new woman in life. I will give you triumph and prosperity in life. You will be happy. You will have peace. 
So he begins to make that change in that person. For that person says, yes, I want to. I'm seeking God. I had never found him before, but now I'm finding where God truly manifests. I want to follow this path. I want happiness. I want peace. And I want this for I know God is here. So God, he begins to help this person. He helps them and they begin to change. They begin to have a change of life. And people turn away from sin and begin to live a life with God. So there, this verse 6 is fulfilled where it says, Whoever abides in him. So this person begins to abide in God and they forget about sin for they no longer have an appetite for sin. God takes away everything that is sin. He takes away grudges, resentment, greed. He takes away adulteries, fornication, evil deeds of that person. He takes away grudges, hatred, all of that. The Lord begins to take that away and a person begins to live a life full of peace. A life where their people, their friends, all those who knew them, they start to see a change in this person's life and say, what happened to you? Why are you like this now? I met you how you were before and you're different now. What happened? Well, what happened is I arrived to a place, to a church where God manifests himself and God spoke to me. He made me promises and he is the one who is changing me. He's changed me and is continuing to change me. Blessed is the Lord. So a person experiences this. And so verse six is fulfilled. Whoever abides in him, in the Lord, does not sin. For God has taken this away from that person, has taken away that sinning tendency. And it says that whoever sins has neither seen him, meaning God, has not known God, has not seen God, has not seen God's hand and God's manifestation. Even if they say they read the Bible, but if they have not known the manifestation of God, they have not felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, in their hearts, then they cannot say, they cannot change, nor say they are children of God, for they haven't changed. They're not able to, but they continue in sin. So this is why it says, whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. I again repeat, they have not known or seen the presence of God in their life. And in verse number seven, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness or is turned away from sin is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. So it says, Whoever sins is of the devil. And there are people who surely go to a congregation, read the Bible, and sing, and surely even pray, but continue to sin. And as the Holy Spirit does not manifest himself in that congregation. He has no one or they have no one to admonish them and tell them you are sinning. You need to turn away from that and I will help you. This is why that person continues in their sin. For the point is not to congregate and say, I belong to such and such religion and I read the Bible in my such and such religion and as all believe in God, all are calling on God, then I am doing well in that place. But the Holy Spirit doesn't manifest himself. God doesn't manifest himself. He doesn't speak. There are no spiritual gifts. All they do is read the Bible and sing. Nothing more. They have sermons, teachings, and it's all literal based on what they read and they interpret literally. So people believe that that is enough. It is not enough. For if you sin, it is because there is something missing. God is not changing, is not transforming people's lives. For the Lord is not manifesting himself in that place. 
And this we need to know very clearly. We need to be very intelligent in order to understand that in the place where God manifests himself, well, we're going to have a change of life because he is going to help us. We alone are not able to. He helps us. So if you are in a place where you congregate and read the Bible, but you continue to sin, start to doubt and say, am I in the wrong place? For God is not changing me here. I continue in the same sin as always. I persist in this sin. And it's because the Lord is not here. He isn't cleansing me. He's not admonishing me. He's not teaching me. So it says, this person, this person is not with God. They are with the devil, for that is what verse 8 says. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For we, we are after salvation, or rather, we have the hope. We are pursuing salvation that God has promised. And we are here with this hope that one day we will be with the Lord face to face. That one day we will enjoy eternity with him. That is our hope. That is the race that we are running and the path that we are on. Therefore, we continue learning and reflecting. Now, of course, this sermon, it is more so for those who are newcomers, those who perhaps are first-time guests and just joining us. It's for you to learn. And we are not judging people, but rather teaching so that they are able to distinguish, they are able to know one thing from the other, to see the true meaning of what it is to follow God, what it is to live with God, and what it means to be with God and not sin, what it means to be children of God, and what it is to be in a congregation and to sin, well then, if you are, you are wasting your time, then I am not with God, but rather the devil. We are learning. And it says in verse number nine, whoever has been born of God. And this is when God speaks to a person, this person accepts and opens their heart and says, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Help me to change. Help me and take away all of these weaknesses of my flesh. Remove this all from me. I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to attain eternal life. So the Lord says, yes, I will help you and you will be born again. For I will take away those things. I will cleanse you. I will remove all sin and you from here on out. You will no longer sin for you will be born again. You will be a new man, a new woman. So when he carries out that work, this wonderful miracle in us, it is said that we are born again. And therefore... We no longer sin. So verse number nine, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, being Jesus Christ, remains in him, in this man or woman. And he cannot sin. So this man or this woman cannot sin. Because he has been born of God. Glory to the Lord. For God has worked that miracle in that life, in those hearts, and has taken away that sinning tendency. People say it is very difficult, but it's not difficult. The only thing that is needed is to prepare and set your heart and believe and accept and long and yearn to please God, desire eternal life. That is what is needed. Everything else, God does. He does all of the work in our lives. We only need to acknowledge. Acknowledge that we are sinners. Acknowledge I am doing this and that, and if it were possible, 
to list our sins that we were committing before God, we should say, Lord, I was a conman, I was a liar, I was a deceiver, or I am an assailant, I am a thief. So if you list those things and say, Lord, I want to be born again, then God begins to take that away. And this person changes. They change for God allows them to change. So they do change. And when they have changed completely, it is said they are born again. I am a new person. I consider myself to be a new woman, a new man. I am new. I am different. I have been born again. God has changed me. So it says God abides with this person and this person abides in God. Blessed is the Lord. And this person can no longer sin for they are born of God. Why can't they sin for God has taken away the appetite, the sinful appetite. They no longer sin for they no longer want to do that. They don't want to steal. They don't want to insult people. No longer want to curse people and hurt them. For they no longer have this appetite, this tendency in their being. So in their being, what there is, is mercy. There's love. There's affection. There's respect. There's values. That is what exists in this person who has been born again. For God has allowed them to be born again. So in verse number 10, it reads, In this, the children of God, in this, in this, that they are born of God, that they abide in God, that they can no longer sin. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Now, how sad it is to mention this very heavy phrase. It's a heavy phrase to say the children of the devil. A person, a man or woman, who every day of their life lives in constant sin and sin. How sad for the Bible to say they are children of the devil. It is very sad. We, we are fighting so that all of them, all those who live that situation, may come out of it, may come out of that prison, may come out of that bondage, and for the Lord to bring them to victory, to triumph, to salvation. This is why we are here praying we are all talking and praying to God for all so that God may have mercy and make his ways known to all people, that all may know the Lord's path and that all are happy and enjoy the blessings God gives. This is our work, the work we have. This is the work God has entrusted us all with. And we hope that the Lord helps us to carry out this very wonderful task. It is very beautiful work. And in verse 10, so those who sin and the children of God and the children of the devil, well, we know the children of God do not sin. The children of the devil are constantly sinning every day of their life. So whoever does not practice righteousness, meaning those who do not cease from sinning is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For truly, sin, sin does great harm and it hurts those around us. It hurts our neighbor. It hurts other people. Any sin, any sin hurts someone else. If we observe the sin of a thief, for example, a person who constantly steals and they steal and they take things away from people, their belongings, their money. What they are doing is hurting them, harming that fellow being, their neighbor. They hurt them. If a person is vengeful and gets revenge and starts to harm another person out of revenge because they hate them. What they are doing is hurting them so much they are hurting their fellow being, a neighbor. And they don't love him. Any sin, any sin a man or a woman is constantly committing, it is because they do not love anyone. A person who is greedy. Here in the Bible, we find in Proverbs, 
The Lord speaks a lot on dishonest scales. Dishonest scales where people were not honest to the scale that if someone was going to buy in antiquity, people would buy things by pounds, kilos, or arobas. So they would falsify the scale. So if one person asked for an aroba, they would give them only half for one aroba. And there was a false scale, a dishonest scale. The Lord would always speak in Proverbs about deceiving other people. And the same with products, selling expired products, things that were already bad. They would sell them as good products, trying to deceive others this way. So this too is greed, selfish gain of that person, the kind of person who does these things. They are a greedy person, covetous person who likes the material. They have greed for money. So they want to take from others in one way or another, take and steal the money from other people. So this sin of greed or covetousness, it is harming a fellow being, many fellow beings, the buyers. It is harming the neighbors, your neighbor, hurting them, damaging them. So if you do that, it means that you do not love them. So here, now we understand why in verse number 10, when it says, whoever, man or woman, who does not practice righteousness, they are not righteous, they sin all the time, is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. He does not love his brother, or we could also say does not love their neighbor, does not love their fellow being. And so as they do not love them, they are not of God. For someone who is of God loves, loves all beings. We do not want anything bad for others. I am happy if you are happy. I am joyful with your joy. And if you receive blessings and you share them with me and you say, God has given me so many blessings, I am happy. I am glad. I congratulate you for God has blessed you so much. That is loving your fellow being. It is loving your neighbor. And wishing them the best. So any sin that is committed with that, you are showing you do not love your neighbor, nor your fellow being. And this person cannot say they are a child of God. They cannot say they are a child of God. They need to change. They have to repent. They need to ask God to help them to change. For surely they are in the congregation, but just to pretending. Perhaps they're reading the Bible, they sing and they pray, but do not want to change. Or they live out in the world. They live out in the world and say, well, in the religion that I profess, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine in the religion I profess. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a son of God, a daughter of God. But they are constantly sinning. They do not love. They do not have God. And how sad it is to say that they rather have the devil. That's the difference here between the children of God and the children of the devil. That is very sad. And we, we must fight, make an effort to teach other people and also pray for other people. Our duty is to pray for all people that are living in this darkness and are unaware of this truth. They are people who in truth are not happy, have no peace, for they are not living with God, they are not with God. And so the situation these people face is very sad. And our duty is to talk to people about God, invite them to get to know God and to live the life that we are living in the Lord. Thanks be to our God, we are happy and we have peace with God. And in verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And so the great mistake was 
that loving one another was just to speak words of affection. Oh, my love, my treasure, my heaven. There's so many different words of affection. I don't know in other languages that they have as many. Oh, I love you so much. And then hugs and kisses. And that's what people thought was loving, to love one another. But that is not love or not to love one another. To love one another is to not sin. When you no longer sin and you say, well, I'm here at home. I never go out. I don't deal with anyone. I don't talk to anyone. I don't hurt anyone. But maybe you are envious of your neighbor. You feel this envy. You can't stand to look at them having something or doing something. They planted a garden. They have new furniture. So you try and see how you can accuse them before authorities For you think they are breaking the law because it's illegal to place a certain decoration in the garden. So that's because you're envious. Yet you say, I don't talk to anyone. I'm alone. I don't hurt anyone. But you feel jealousy and envy against your neighbors. And you don't know how else to accuse them. So you completely stop saying hello. That, that is something that we must analyze, analyze that there are sins that are hidden and secret in your being and a person does not realize they are sinning. They are committing a transgression before the Lord, yet they say they live a good life. So then why is it I pray and pray and God does not answer? God does not help me. He has left me alone. He has forsaken me. And they go to other places, other religions, and likewise, they say the same thing. God is not listening to them. They try and resolve their problems in their own way. But if we reflect on our life, if we reflect and analyze our life, we will realize and we will discover we have many errors, weaknesses, and we are sinning and doing many things in our being that causes others to be offended and that we are hurting other people and I am therefore hurting myself for I no longer have fellowship with God as I am distracted in this error, in this weakness of mine and the Lord turns away from me and my prayers are not heard. So I need to fight, need to fight to truly be a daughter of God, a son of God. We must fight to be that. And we need to analyze ourselves. We need to analyze ourselves if we feel jealousy or envy against any person. That is a sin. People say, well, there are small little sins and big sins. And people say, well, if I feel envy or jealousy against someone... Well, that sin is not so big like adultery. Adultery is a very serious sin or to take someone else's life, commit murder. This is a serious sin. But my sin is just feeling envious or jealous of someone. But the two are the same. They hold the same weight and they are both sins. God is not going to weigh if it's a big or a little sin. They're both sins. For if you have taken the life of someone else, well, then you will be punished. You will be imprisoned. The authorities will judge you and you will be punished. And those who have jealousy and envy, well, they constantly have a sin and a weakness and God turns away from you. God does not listen to your prayers and you're harming yourself. And also you're being a hypocrite to other people. So God is not pleased by that. And you will live bound by this weakness or this error, this sin. So we can't say there are little sins or big sins. They are all the same. All are damaging. All are hurtful and harm others, our neighbor. So in our analysis, we will discover who we are and we will ask God to change us. The Lord will help us to change And he will help to remove all of this so that we are able to truly be children of God. And in verse 11, 
It reads, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. Now, why did it say he was of the wicked one? What was in Cain's heart? Envy. The brothers and sisters who are here with me say envy. There was envy in Cain. Jealousy. Jealousy and envy was in the heart of Cain. And that jealousy, that constant envy that Cain felt caused him to murder his brother. So a sin generates another sin. From the sin of jealousy and envy came the sin of murder. And it is said that Cain, Cain walked with the devil. That he was with the devil, not with God. This is why it says he was of the wicked one. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. So as Cain's works were evil and his brothers righteous, this is why he was envious and jealous. In verse 13, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, he now speaks to the church, the congregation, that the world hates you, but you should not be bothered by it or be surprised. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So this is speaking of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It is not speaking of family by blood. Now, of course, family by blood, we must respect and love. We must love our neighbor. But when it speaks of his brother, it's within the congregation and it's concerning the weaknesses and errors that people at times pretend to be children of God. And they are there with their secret sins. They reveal they are not truly children of God. Therefore, they do evil things and they are hurtful. And so this is why the apostle says you must change. Acknowledge these things so that God helps you and you are then able to love your brother, your sister, the believers in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, logically, you would then love and respect your family as well and praying to God for them so that they can get to know the Lord's path if they don't know it already. Now in verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now a murderer, why does he say whoever hates his brother is a murderer? Well, if it ends up like what happened with Cain, who was envious and jealous and hated his brother, how did that end up? He took his life. Now perhaps here... He may not take someone's life physically, but he does commit a murder in a sense. And it's spiritual for he's harming that person, killing their spiritual life. And they themselves in their disorderly life, they kill or destroy their spiritual life and begin to live in the flesh. They begin to sin and God turns away from this person and they deceive themselves thinking that for the simple fact that they congregate in such and such religion, any religion, they think they're doing fine and they're doing well, but rather they are on their way to losing eternal life. So this is why whoever hates his brother is a murderer. They kill their spiritual life. Verse 16, by this we know love because Christ laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now this, the apostle was saying in regard to that time, they were persecuted for preaching the gospel of the Lord. So they would often call people to give false testimony so that they would be condemned or hung or stoned. So here it's saying that the others had to lay down their life for that person for what they needed to do was testify and say, they have been a man of God, a woman of God. They have been preaching the things of the Lord and God has manifested himself. Therefore, I lay my life down for this person. And that 
happened in the beginning when the gospel of the Lord first started. Today, we don't see this phenomenon. Today, we don't see that churches are being persecuted by governments. There is freedom, thanks to the Lord. But we do have other sorts of persecution from behalf of the enemy. He persecutes us in other ways. So we do need to be very attentive to see how the enemy tries to persecute us so that we are able to face him and be strong and steadfast and press on in the path of the Lord without ever letting go of God's hand, but always being very careful and remaining as children of God. Now in verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And this is in reference to being generous to helping others, to being merciful and lending a hand to those in need. Verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So in word or in tongue, meaning with just words and just speaking beautiful words of affection, that was not really loving. It is showing it, showing it by living in holiness, living a life without sin, Verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth in God's path and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So it's about our conscience. Our conscience condemns us. Our conscience is there and it condemns us of the evil deeds we do. And with greater reason than God God, how will he not rebuke us and teach us? And also, how can he not help us to do things right when we set ourselves to please him and to do what is upright and righteous? Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now he considered himself to have kept the commandments of God and not sin. Those were the commandments of the Lord. Do not sin, but rather do what is good. Walk uprightly, have good qualities and virtues, have morals. And in doing so, God would be pleased of us. Those are his commandments. And in verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And I will also add, we no longer sin as he gave us commandment so that we all may live in peace and please God, for we will all then abide in harmony serving God and praising his name. And now in verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, in God, glory to the Lord. He abides in God and God in this man or this woman who keeps the Lord's commandments. And by this, we know that he abides in us. Why? Why does it say by the spirit whom he has given us glory to the Lord. So I would like for you all to read verse 24 so that this is kept in your hearts. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Glory to our God. The honor and the glory be for our God. And an invitation to all newcomers or first-time guests for you to come and receive a lane on of hands and prophecy that the Holy Spirit speak to you for God to speak to you and make of you a new man, a new woman, and give you the peace, joy, and triumph in your life. This is the invitation. Read the Bible and learn the ways of the Lord. Learn to serve God. Learn to sing to him. Praise him, for he is pleased when 
human beings who are his creation praise him and acknowledge him in all their ways. The honor, the glory be for the Lord. God bless you greatly. And may the hand of God go with you in your lives and may the Lord be in your heart. And we are now going to pray to our God and ask the Lord to continue to manifest himself with the miracles and wonders that he has been manifesting himself with for over 50 years, working miracles and healings and wonders, delivering people, removing witchcraft and sorcery, taking away curses. The Lord, he has manifested himself and continues to manifest himself. And today will not be an exception. And today we will ask the Lord to continue, continue working these miracles in our lives and in the lives of many who are just getting to know you, who know you or will begin to know you. So let us ask the Lord, Heavenly Father, creator of the heavens and earth, our God Almighty, our God you were with Moses. You spoke to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, those great men, great prophets, patriarchs who were with you and enjoyed your presence. They enjoyed your voice. They enjoyed your guidance. They enjoyed the commands you gave to each and they faithfully, they obeyed you, Lord, and they received their payment. They received triumph. They prospered and progressed in their life for you gave them many blessings spiritually and materially. You made them many promises, Lord. And just like them today, you do the same with us. You have made us many promises and you have blessed us, Father. And we are here before your presence in this moment to give you thanks, Lord, to give you the honor, the glory, the praise for you deserve it, Lord. And we are here, Lord, to ask you to have mercy of all, that you have mercy of those who are newcomers and first-time guests. May you have mercy of those who have not yet heard your word and have had experiences with you. They have not heard the message of the Holy Spirit. Mercy for all, Lord. Your love is so great. Your mercy is forever. Your promises are faithful and true, my Lord. We believe in you. We praise you, Lord. We bless you. We give you the honor, the glory, and praise. We give you thanks for your mercy. Thank you, Holy Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus of Nazareth, I ask in this moment that you stretch out your mighty hand upon all those that are ill. Lord, there are diverse diseases. Many are ill people of different ages. Therefore, Lord, stretch out your hand. You are the divine physician and you can heal and you can deliver. You can work miracles and signs among all. Lord, I know many people are crying out to you to be healed, to be delivered. Those that are suffering of incurable diseases, they are crying out to you. They stand before you. Lord, listen to each person. Out of mercy, Lord, out of your love, out of the promises that you have made and spoken to many, that you will deliver and heal, that you will cleanse. Lord, they wait in you and they trust in you. Also, Lord, deliver all of those who are captives and prisoners of the enemy through evil spirits, through witchcraft and sorcery. Lord, deliver each person, break those chains and take away those curses. Destroy the work of the evil, wicked one. May you remove the envy of the devil against us. Protect us, Lord. All praises are for you. All honor is for you. Glory to your name. We give you thanks for your mercy and love. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of the Lord, let us now sing chorus number 166, titled, God Will Be Our Refuge. Dios es nuestro amparo, nuestra fortaleza, nuestro pronto auxilio en la tribulación. Aunque se traspasen los montes a la mar, aunque la tierra tiemble, tenemos que cantar. Aunque la tierra tiemble, tenemos que cantar. Dios es nuestro amparo, nuestra fortaleza, 
nuestro pronto auxilio en la tribulación. Aunque se traspasen los montes a la mar, aunque la tierra tiemble, tenemos que cantar. Aunque la tierra tiemble, tenemos que cantar. Glory to my Lord. All praises be for our God. Thank you very much, dear brothers and sisters, to all people who on this day are with us. God bless you greatly. I send you a very big hug and many kisses for all the children as well. Thank you. God bless you. Until next time.